Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Hi, listeners. I want to tell you about a cause that I'm involved with at Heritage Radio Network. HRN is celebrating its 15th year And to celebrate, we're deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hey, listeners, I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week, they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like O'Teal Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, join the Fab Foe, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out magicalmysterycamp.com slash helpingfriendly to learn more.
friends. Welcome to the Helping Friendly Podcast. This is a quick hit for August 4th, 2017 at Madison Square Garden. This was night 11 of the Baker's Dozen, and it was Lemon Night. Uh, this is Matt here, and uh, with me in the guest role today, because he was actually the one of the four of us that was at the show last night, is Jonathan. Hey, Jonathan. Hey, Matt. How's it going? It's going pretty good. Um, I... Uh, I got to tell you, I watched that show uh, late night last night, and I, I thought it was a doozy. I don't know. What did you think? Man, it was great. We had a great time. Uh, it was a lemon poppy seed glazed donut, which was delicious, as always, uh, from the uh, Federal Donuts. And um, the first set was rocking and full of just good material and a lot of fun and the second set was crazy it was crazy um in in a great way just absolutely loved it uh, so we, we can get into some detail on it here uh in a minute i think but um yeah all in all good night sold out so that you know the place is full in fact the rest of the you know the rest of the weekend is sold out too so it's going to be um it's going to be pretty wild in there. Yeah, I don't know that I've seen the, the ticket fervor quite this crazy in a really long time. Um, I mean, even beyond kind of recent New Year's and Halloween runs. I know I have one close friend who shall remain nameless who I believe paid about $500 for a ticket tonight. Um, what? I mean, that's like the, the, the that... de- degree that people are going to. Because it, it's just, I mean, this is somebody who's seen some other shows on the run. He's like, I just have to get inside. I have to be there tonight. I can't possibly miss it. Yeah, so. it's, well, it's going to be good. Yeah. Uh, I have little doubt, and yeah, it's because they're really um, they're they're really doing it. So the um, I think the ticket fervor is just just indicative of how well they are performing. Because you're right, even like Halloween last year, the things were you know sold out, but you could get tickets. You could get tickets. People were having trouble getting rid of tickets for all, you know the first two nights. Um, so this is, we've come, come a, a long way in a different direction at this point. They've really, uh, moved forward and pushed, raised the bar or pushed this, moved the sticks, whatever you want to call it. But everybody is quite, uh, quite reasonably excited to get inside to see these shows. Yeah. Yeah. So before you and I get into detail on this, um, let's go to uh, a couple of, uh, listener submissions that we had, um, for quick reviews last night. Hey, this is Randon from Section 112 at Set Break on uh, Friday night, Baker's Dozen, night 11. Great set, crowd is awesome. What a tube to close it out. Thank you, Fish, for this party. And guys, thank you for doing such a great podcast all these two weeks. Party on, everybody. What's up, HF Pod? This is Andrew. Just got done listening to night 11 of the Baker's Dozen. Uh, lemon Donut Night. And, uh, I mean, the first thing I think you really got to talk about this show was set two, uh, the Radiohead cover. I'm not a big Radiohead fan, but for the people that are, I can only imagine how special of a moment that was to watch Fish cover Radiohead. And I thought they did a pretty good job. Um, that sense and subtle sounds and Prince Caspian, what, what they were doing at the end of Caspian is, uh, there's no words for it. I don't know. It's just it's mind blowing. The the sounds that they're making, just unreal. 
Frankenstein Encore. Page being the front man, you gotta love it. I'll be there the next two nights. This weekend is gonna be amazing. This whole thing has been a blast. Take care, you guys. Okay, thank you. That was awesome. And uh, one more reminder that um, if you want to send us some quick reviews of the last two nights, um, tonight and tomorrow, uh, go ahead and uh, take a, a quick uh, recording on your phone and email it to helpingfriendlypodcast at gmail.com and we'll include it here um, so you can tell the world what you think of the sh- show and how awesome it was. So I think I'm going to do that for tomorrow so, so I don't have to wake up and take a phone call. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good idea. You should get some sleep. In fact, I I actually might uh we'll see how successful this is. I'm having a bunch of people over to watch the show at my house tonight and I might uh it's set break get some reactions from people. Just get them around the mic and see what what people are doing. So, um that'd be interesting. So, yeah, so I want to hear about um your experience at the show last night. I'll tell you briefly what my kind of experience with the show was. I um I went to see Roger Waters uh, here in D.C. last night at the Verizon Center, and um, my plan was, as I did a couple weeks ago when I was at a show on a Saturday night, to go see live music and then immediately come home and stream The Fish Show um, late night. Um, and so I did that, and I it was funny because I was chatting with R.J. Um, before the show, and he was like, I told him what I was going to do, and I, he said, "Do you want me to like not text you at all during the show? So you're you're going to kind of go spoiler free or anything?" I said, "No, no, don't worry about it. Um, you know, I'll I'll probably look at the set list and stuff like that. And to be honest with you, I probably won't be looking at my phone at all. I hope you know if if I'm into the show, and there reached a point." at which I had my phone in my pocket and it was vibrating constantly for about two or three minutes straight. <laughs> and I was like, I've got to see what the hell is going on. And I wish I had t- taken a screenshot of like the texts and tweets that were coming in uh, when they went into everything in its right place. I think, you know, people just generally freaking out and a lot of friends of mine knowing that I'm a huge Radiohead nut uh, as well. Um, oh, wow. And so it was just, I was one of those things. I was like, what are they doing? Because I just, and all the texts and everything just said like, holy shit, wow, oh my God, and I had no idea what happened. And I I actually put my phone back in my pocket, and I was like, I'm not even going to look. I know something amazing happened. I'm just going to get in the show. And it just kept (laughs) vibrating and vibrating. I've got to see what's going on here. So it was pretty (laughs) awesome to to be able to watch that later, even though it was from the couch. I was ignoring my phone pretty well through the show. um, But at one point, pretty late during Fluffhead, I pull pull up, pull it out of my pocket and I see that one of my friends who was not at the show, who was at home following along, texted, "God damn it!" And as uh, <laughs> I could tell, he was just fed up with what he was missing. Uh, it's too bad. I think though, even if any, it's been said on this podcast already. Uh, I think it was uh, Scott at Tor Tweet who, who said something like this. I'm going to re-paraphrase. Um, if you, if you see any of these shows, you know you're really you're you're succeeding at fish or you're winning at fish uh if you uh even if you're but even if you're at home listening you're you're in the know you're you're hip to some amazing music that's happening so even if you can't be here you know you're you're getting some pretty great shit out of it so yeah uh, yeah absolutely um so let's talk about that great shit so let's talk about it so uh what were your impressions of the of the first set so um, opener was awesome. A little blind lemon Jefferson. See that my grave is kept clean, or uh, one kind favor, as it is also called on, you know, various versions and various records. Um, it was cool. It was a little like a cabaret blues kind of thing. Page 
really stood out, but Trey's solos were really nice, and uh, and I, I like the way he sang it. Um, didn't put a big stretch on his vocals and uh, really carried off nicely. Um, dark song, kind of a dark opener. And then, um, you know, Punch was cool. Party Time was stretched a hair. Um, big Black Furry Creatures, I'm a big fan of, as listeners probably know, of anytime Fish wants to go dark or heavy or whatever, I'm on board. So Big Black Furry Creatures is, of course, also nutty and that really just i loved it that was a lot of fun um i saw i've been seeing fish since 1994 and i saw my first dinner in a movie last night wow yeah that's amazing yeah Yeah, i know they just they i i've it's one of those that i've missed by one night uh, a few times and or you know they they played in the one time on tour they played in vegas and i'm not i go out west you know so uh, just dumb luck all this yeah. time, but finally, uh, finally got to see it. Um, just a good ocelot, state type one, but it was fun. Quick little poor heart. Winter Queen was beautiful, as they tend to be. We got the boldest love that everybody's looking for on the Rainbow Jimmy's night, and um, and then first tube was just rocking first tube. So I, I think. I, powerhouse first set you know there were some um there were some flubs or some whatever but the energy was strong the audience was way into it so feeding back well against the band and um you know we were we were excited by what we had just seen at the set break um and of course knowing something something had to be coming in the second set so we were we were really really jazzed yeah, I'll, um, I'll tell you what. I mean, watching it from the couch, um, it you could tell the level of energy. And maybe this was just because you know I was in the room last week and still have some kind of vivid sense memory about it. But you could like really get the feeling of the amount of energy in, particularly during party time in first tube. Um, mm-hmm. That it's just you know, once again, in kind of keeping with the theme of everything being a little bit elevated above standard versions. Um, you know, even first two, Mike was playing the bass line differently uh, in the beginning, yeah. just altering it, adding a, adding one note um, each time he played uh, the pattern and, you know, until they started the song. But just like little things like that. Um, and then you could tell when it hit kind of that mid song peak after the first verse air quotes there um, that, it, you know, I'm sure it, I could just practically feel the building rocking, you know, watching it from from the TV. Was that? Yeah, that thing peaked pretty hard it was it was pretty great um then set two you know made a perfect little run during set break grabbed some water used the head came back walked out through the tunnel right as the lights went down got to my seat as they started singing dim bones i really love the sound they're getting now with the uh the four mic rig that they use for the acapella stuff it gives it through the PA um, on soundboards, and also because it's coming so nicely through the PA, I think that the audience recordings pick them up a lot better. The, the acapella stuff, and um, and Dim Bones is very cool. It's the first time I had. I, was the first? Did they play that in Vegas? I don't even know. They first yeah. time I remember seeing it, but maybe I have seen it. Um, um, but it was cool. And then um, they did not play in they Vegas. Did, they did it at the Man last summer, and uh, uh, that's. Yeah, so I did not see yeah. that. 
And then uh, No Men in No Man's Land was just a dance party. They dropped into that, and everybody was on their feet if they weren't already and getting down. It was great. And then it got weird. Got into some, like, crazy space, and the guy next to me who's been – guy I met I was I was sitting around sitting with people that I had never met before and uh so lately it shows I've been kind of going off on my own kind of bouncing on my friends who are wonderful and uh and great to see shows with but I've just I've, I've been having an interesting time kind of going somewhere by myself and then just kind of getting to know the people sitting around me and I've met some really interesting people so I met these guys uh this guy Scott last night whose first show was back in 93 and um he was with some cool folks. They were all out from Colorado, and uh, and uh, a couple of them from all the many. And Scott leans over and says to me, kind of deep, no men and no man's land jam. He says, "Sounds like quadraphonic toppling." And I listen. And I was like, "Yeah, it kind of does." And then Fitman kicked up the drum beat, that became everything in its right place. It no longer sounded like quadraphonic toppling. It sounded like, well, I didn't know. Hey, uh, Trey starts leaning over, talking to Paige, and then then they start doing it and it was crazy now it doesn't really sound it's it's not it doesn't sound like radiohead up there doing it. it sounds like fish but um i think it's somewhere in the middle it's not somebody said well it's just a whack fishman song but it's super it's totally not that um it's bizarre spacey psychedelic music um and not quite in the vein of anything that fish really does uh, day to day and I I loved it um, Trey was playing with samples of Fish's vocal on a chaos pad right there beside him um, like like Nels Klein or something you know he's got his whole little table of toys now and uh, it was it was it was bizarre and then it went into what's the use and uh, so it, it was Look, I, I, I'm not really. Uh, I haven't really sat and tried to formulate a lot of words. I have not re-listened to it, so I can't. I can't get any deep, profound statements on it. But I thought it was just great. Um, What's the use was cool. Uh, I don't know. Maybe on the floor it got real quiet, but it didn't get super, super quiet where we were. Um, band did, but the uh, audience they toned down, but they didn't get super quiet. And then. Um, Surprise jumped into Sense and Subtle Sounds, which is – that was rocking. And probably about eight minutes in, they fully reprised and basically finished No Men in No Man's Land. I don't really see that. They talk about it as a tease. But to me, it was – and many of my uh, friends who were there, they really settled right back into No Men uh, and finished that. And then they went into just another tremendous weird jam. Um, really creative and fascinating music there. And that took us into Caspian. Good Caspian, good Fluffhead closer. And um, and then Frankenstein, which had a nice little extra, extra bit in the uh, spacey break. So all in all, I mean, the set two was just trippy and weird and a lot of fun. So, yeah, I, I, I um, I loved the execution of everything in its right place. I mean, of course, it's not it's not perfect, and if you're looking for it to be a 
exact replica of you know the way that Radiohead would do it, then you're you're going to be disappointed. But um, I thought there's, that, there's plenty of YouTube videos of Radiohead playing it. Yeah, Go listen yeah, to that. Exactly. If, you, if that's what you want to hear, it's out there. Exactly. Well, and I thought that like a lot of other covers that they do, it was it was that song the way that only Fish could do it. Um, right. You know what I mean? And, and even down to I, I was super impressed at the way that Trey was using that that K the K oscillator. Um, you know, even very quickly switching to it for the rest of the set and throwing the samples uh-huh. in and manipulating them. And, and um, uh, it, it was very, very impressive the way that, you know, he was kind of uh, fluidly using it. I don't know if he has a lot of experience or if Mike gave him a real good tutorial before the show or if they'd been practicing this for a couple <laughs> weeks. But, um, I mean, he, they de- it didn't seem thrown together. I'll put it that way. I think they, they definitely knew what they were doing there. Um, and, you know, I, I hope he keeps playing with it. Yeah, I think that would be really neat. I mean, it would be even beyond um, Fish's voice, you know, if kind of in the vein of Radiohead, if they could kind of just take any samples or any sounds and kind of sample them and throw them back out there. I thought, uh, you know, it might be a nice new little tool, of course, could also become the next marimba. um, But you, you know, you never know. Um, But I think the other thing that really, really stuck out to me overall in set two um, was how fast on their feet the whole band was in terms of throwing out really well thought out ideas um trey he was very riffy last night like particularly in the no men's and then the sense and subtle sounds um you know really really like solid riffs that he was throwing out there that the band was able to to attach to um and i I really liked that a lot i don't know if you were able to pick up on that as well oh yeah um i think everybody like they're they're playing strong so even somebody's going to say well it's this composed thing or that and and certainly i'm not going to disagree with that but the energy they're delivering the quality of the transitions and the uh improvisation the group think that is happening on stage just so strong that um i don't it's just outstanding yeah Um, this is they really are achieving next level fish whatever that really means uh somebody said is is, is this fish 4.0 i said this is probably fish x because you got to rebrand every once in a while <laughs> um and uh and I, yeah i'm loving it and more tonight yeah well and it's i mean think about like i'm looking at this set list there it's funny because no man's was it was a scorcher everything in the right place and what's the use was sort of the more weird ambient kind of middle section um really no ballads in the entire set i mean you know you can't call you at this point i don't think you can call caspian that but then look at the level of energy sense and subtle sounds through that insane jam the back i agree with you that was really back into no men's prince caspian with an insanely raging ending the way that it's been lately and then fluffhead which is like you know i mean just has you could take a complete snoozer show and they can play fluffhead and it's gonna lift it up um, and get yep. the crowd to go crazy. And, and um, that was the other one that I, I could tell, and I'm sure you could probably confirm like the level of energy in the room during Fluffhead, you know, particularly oh, in the yeah. Fluff King was, to New York and Powerful Pills lines. It was like the, you could hear the crowd almost louder than the band, even on the webcast. place was exploding. It, everybody was losing it, and it, it was a lot of fun. So I, I, I keep saying that because I'm just short on words and sleep, but... Yeah, it was it was pretty potent. Yeah. And I know RJ's been um, 
you know, slightly bashing the uh, the one song encores, but um, I think if you're going to get one song, throwing something like Frankenstein out there is awesome. And that's another one where they had more uh, everything in its right place samples thrown in. I mean, it was just really nothing nice. Nothing could be more entitled. And I'm gonna. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but nothing could be more entitled than complaining about a one song encore when encores themselves are additional. You know, Jerry Garcia band, Jerry never played encores with the Jerry band because he felt like, well, I already did. I already played the show, you know, whereas Grateful Dead just had kind of agreed upon the guaranteed encore structure. He's like, I'm not doing that. And and so watch out, people. Someday Fish might do that. And you you should still better enjoy the show. You hear that, RJ? Quit your bitching, man. That's what I say. (laughs) (laughs) This is what happens when he doesn't come on. That's right. (laughs) Excellent. So you want to leave him with some uh, with some rock and roll music? I I would say if you could go in at about the middle of Sense and Subtle Sound so they can hear the No Men reprise and uh, and some of that weird ass jam that followed, then I think that's that would be my recommendation. Excellent. I think we'll do that. And I'll, I'll throw one thing out. I was hoping that you were going to say that because just before we got on here, I was re- re-listening or re-watching last night. Watch out for when they go back into the no men's, Trey starts sort of scat singing a little bit with himself because like no men's, no men's, no men's. When he finishes that up and goes back to just playing guitar, listen to what he plays in the first like four bars there. It's unbelievable. Uh, it's like some of the most fiery guitar playing I've ever heard him play i mean it's, it's just magical so was it incendiary incendiary guitar <laughs> so all right well thanks for uh joining us get back to your new york escape um and uh we will uh talk to you hopefully you and everybody uh, out in listener land uh tomorrow for uh the second to last quick hit of the baker's dozen thanks everyone all right man thanks for doing this be well everyone what is a city without its music The legacy of the New York Philharmonic is incredible. Nearly two centuries of history. That's a lot of music and a lot of stories. I was sitting on stage for the very first time thinking, I can't quite believe this is happening. Join me, Jamie Bernstein, as we explore the history of the New York Philharmonic. It's the NY Phil story made in New York, a podcast about a city, its people, and their orchestra. Listen wherever you get podcasts.
Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild Podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers, all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.